Alayawi the opportunity to share again, to be in your word again, to any that have an ear to let them hear the words, but listen to the message, Father. Your truth, knowledge, and wisdom, this you have given to me and given me the opportunity to be a conduit. Thank you so much, Father. So, um, important to remember, and I'm going to be sharing about thankfulness yet again. But you know what? I've shared with you before that anything worth repeating or of import is worth repeating and is necessary to do that sometimes. And Christ our Lord used to repeat things oftentimes. And sometimes you find if you read the scriptures and you stay in the scriptures and you read about his teaching, he says the same thing, but he might change the parable a little bit. And the parables, if you recall, Christ teaches that way as he explained to the disciples. And I think they were a little, they didn't quite grasp it yet. But he taught that way to make sure that those that were listening were leaning in to do so. <clears throat> I've shared this with you before that I used to have teachers when I was younger and they would sometimes <clears throat> diminish their tones and take their voice and pardon me, <coughs> sorry about that. Um, and they would take their tones down and you would have to really listen and tilt your head toward them to hear what they were saying. And they would do that with direct intent. And what was that intention? To get us to listen to what they were saying and write it down and take notes. And they would always remind us, you know, if I say this more than once, you might want to write it down because you're probably going to see it later. That always translates to, it will be on the test. Teachers say it in different ways, but it always means you will see it on a test. So it's important that you lean in and listen. Here's something that's really important that we need to listen and pay attention to is thankfulness is indeed practicing the presence of God and is also indeed praising him. I've shared this with you. When you thank God, you are praising him. And I pointed this out to you that in Psalm 100, in Psalm 100, David uses, and I, I shared earlier in that, and uh, what I was sharing with you, that there are 11 translatable words that mean giving thanks 
or praising God. And in Torah, in the, in the Old Testament, there are seven primary that are taught openly. And in Psalm 100, David uses four of those seven when he teaches us through Scripture about thanksgiving and praise to God. He uses four of those primary seven and four of those 11, all in one chapter. You have Torah is a choir that prays and gives thanks to God. And not just at holiday time, but they sing out to thanking God. You have Barak, which is you're kneeling down to give thanks or bow. Tahira is given in giving thanks to God by song. Halah is giving thanks in a clamorous manner, clapping your hands and dancing about. David did that. He did that when the ark was returned, was returned from the Philistines and brought back to Jerusalem. He was glad and happy and was sharing with all the people, made sure that they all had some wine, that they all had meat, they all had bread, and they were given sustenance because they had been having such a hard time. And David was glad and mindful of God's hand. And he was thankful for this. And Michal, she came down and, you know, you're dancing around here in just an ephod and you don't have anything else on. You took everything else off. You are embarrassing me. And David, of course, well, if you're embarrassed, then you just go back up and make sure that you put a covering over the window and you can't see because you and no one else is going to tell me how I worship God. No one has that authority on this plane of existence. The only one that ever walked on this plane of existence that could do so was God in flesh, Christ Jesus, period. No one else has the authority. There's not a pastor, not an elder, no one. And this is why I get riled up about denominations and didn't used to. I used to think that that was just, I was complacent and shrugged my shoulders and that's just the way it is. Well, no, that's just the way man makes it. That's just the way it is, the way of mammon. That's the way we do things. That's not the way Christ taught. That's not the way God wants. That's not how the scriptures teach us. Man does that. And they, through their denominations and their derisiveness, they want to tell us how to worship. Well, you got to dress this way. You got to act this way and you can't raise your hands. Don't, oh, do not raise your hands. That's not allowed because that would be acknowledging that God is indeed sovereign Lord. And that's too much like everybody else. So don't do that. That's like those Pentecostal people. No, it's not. It's not Pentecostal. That's just praising God for whom he is. Thank God 
from whom all blessings flow. Thank God, all ye heavenly hosts. Thank God, all ye creatures here below. Thank God. Thank Father, thank the Son, and thank the Holy Ghost, period exclamation point, dot, 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 whatever grammatical emphasis you want to put on it, that's the way it is, period. Allah is giving thanks in a clamorous manner. Clapping your hands is scriptural. Yada is giving thanks with extended hands. You raise your hands in worship. Thanksgiving to God. That is important. And our word that we share in church oftentimes, you hear people saying, hallelujah. Well, Allah giving thanks in a clamorous manner. <clears throat> Pardon me. So we read here in Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with a gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, is, he is God. He is that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Well, now that he brought that up, you know, you have all these things that man and mammon decides and they write all this stuff up and all these people that write garbage, essentially. But they get to have their names added to, uh, what's that big uh, literary? Uh, oh, the New York Times bestseller list. If you get your name on there, oh, they got put on there twice. They got put, you know, then when they the uh, publishers will do their book, they make sure that there's notation on this along with a picture this a uh, very glamorous shot of this person who normally doesn't wear certain attire, but then for this shot on the book, they have this glamour shot put on there, and then there's a notation. Four times on the New York Times bestseller list. Well, yeah, but the book itself is disgusting and terrible. It's not any good. It really isn't. So all these things that are based on opinions... People take as being factual. Opinions are not facts. They are perspectives. Not that I'm opinionated in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. Uh, and I try to not be so because opinions tend to really rile people up because they don't get it. People don't get it that opinions are not facts. And they get agitated because when others express an opinion that does not match their own, they get annoyed, they get agitated, and they also get quite aggressive. 
But the truth is, in the word of God, and it is his truth, his knowledge and wisdom, and can be found if we seek his face in the word of God. If we go to the scriptures and we seek his face, it is an important thing that we need to pay attention to. And when we are prayerful and we are mindful of God, we also find David writing this again. And we can find it in Psalm 116, verse 2. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. I probably should have read verse 1, and I will. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 together again. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Supplications are when you bring things to God and a desire for him to hear you. Um, it could be for others. It could be for your family. Um, and that brings us into prayer. So, also understand this, and I've shared this with you numerous times. Supplication is humble prayer, entreaty. We're, we're asking God to do this or we're petitioning that God would do that. It could be for any anyone. It could be for your uh, spiritual brother and sister in the family of God. It could be for any number of things. But remember what I've shared with you. You don't go with arrogance. You don't go, but you can go with bold humbleness. And you're saying, well, wait a minute. How does that work? Well, it is possible. You can be bold, upright. Don't be so scared that your knees are clacking together and be like the uh, uh, in the old film, the classic old film, The Cowardly Lion, where he got so scared of being before Mr. Wizard, uh, that he took off and he dove out a window and ran to hide. Well, that's because he was cowardly. You don't have any reason to be cowardly when you come before God. If you come prayerfully, mindfully, humbly, boldly, and we bring these supplications or prayers to God, remember that because we do that, he inclines his ear to us. I've shared this with you also. is that God saves the prayers of the saints. The angel, through a vision, shared with John from the island of Patmos, and he took him to show that God saves the prayers of the saints. That would be true believers, you and I, if I'm a true believer, I know I am. Uh, I don't know about some of you out there, but a true believer. And you notice that I repeat that often. Almost every time I talk about uh, things and I share the word, the true believer. And that's because there are those out there that like to label themselves as being one thing, but they do not 
demonstrate at all. They only do it because for some reason or another, they think that that makes them something else, or they think that they are because they go down the street walking on the way to church and they carry their Bible. So they think that it rubs off or they absorb it like a sponge. And because they walk, <clears throat> pardon me, because they walk within a number of steps of the church building on their way to work, they like to walk to work, um, that somehow that all that rubs off, comes on and they absorb it. Well, it doesn't work that way. The only way that it works is that you prayerfully say, I believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God and came here to this plane of existence in the flesh, walked this world, died for me, I believe and I want to have faith in God, the Heavenly Father, and have the Holy Spirit to guide my steps. That's the way you get saved, and that's the way you make declaration that you are a true Christian and true believer. And then, of course, you can arrange baptism in the church, which is good, and it's something that we're told we should do. It's one of the precepts that we find in the Bible and God's tenets. And if you're a true believer, then you work on practicing that and following his directions, following his instructions that are in the Bible, which is actually an instruction manual for how we walk this life. It is our guidebook. It is our roadmap. It is indeed our instruction manual. And we do that and you have the label aids and then you have uh, the other one I share is self-proclaimed Christian. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but yet they go to all the girly clubs and they go to the pool halls and they carry on, they're drinking scotch and whiskey, old fashions or whatever they're, they're uh, you know, like the bartender will say, name your poison, whatever it is that they're drinking. I, I'm an alcoholic, and I used to do this very thing. I practiced this very thing. I would, when somebody talked to me, I would say, yeah, I am. No, I wasn't. Yeah, I am. No, I wasn't. The question came up, and I would say that. And sometimes I wouldn't remember that I had been drinking in front of somebody that, that was with the person asking now, what kind of a demonstration is that? I'm saying one thing with my mouth and kind of like politicians, you know, when they, when the, you've heard the term, may have heard the term, they talk out of both sides of their mouth at the same time. Well, that just means that they're double speaking and they're double minded and they're lying to your face because they'll be saying one thing, but they're inclined in doing something else, but they're saying it at the same time. So in the morning, they're telling you that they are, and then they overhear later in the morning, they're having another meeting and tell, oh, no, 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 we're not going to sign that bill. No, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And they also do the same thing whenever they put bills before Congress to be signed, and they convince people that they should do it. They, they don't mention or remind people that they have this thing called a piggyback clause. And they make it sound really good, and that's the initiate, but... The piggyback is that all the terrible, nasty things, the increase in property taxes and the cutting off of funding for school because in voting for this particular bill that they're pushing, 
they're cutting the uh, they're cutting the boundary for the particular school and putting it outside, and now they're not required to give that school any funding or support anymore. And then the school loses students and they're forcing them to bus their kids everywhere and parents are losing their minds because this bill that they signed, wait a minute, that means good. No, they didn't read the piggyback. And this is that double speech and that double mindedness and that talking out of two sides of their mouth. Brother and sister, you can't be a Christian like that. And there are individuals that claim to be and this is why I call them the label heads or the self-proclaimed Christians. And they wouldn't know how to praise God if you gave them a cue card or you gave them what they call one of those prompters to put in front of them when they pray. But here's the thing that we have to be mindful of. God promises that even those individuals, if we pray for them and we lift them up in prayer, as Paul tells us when he wrote his letter to Timothy, and we can find that. Uh, pardon me, I'm jumping back that direction. And that's in First Timothy. Actually, I didn't mark that because I didn't intend to. I didn't, did not intend. But see, that's not up to me. <laughs> that's not up to me at all. The Holy Spirit brought me over here. And this is in First Timothy 2, 1. And Paul reminds us, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications... Humble prayers, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. What's that say? Giving of thanks for all men. I'm going to read it again. Giving of thanks for all men. Praising God for all men and women have every opportunity that they all have an opportunity for redemption, to repent. For kings and for all that are in authority, and that's Bible speak for presidents and country leaders, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.1 but here's something that we also need to remember, and many forget. What is that that Paul's talking about? Come to the knowledge of the truth. What is Christ Jesus? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life and the light of men. All those titles that Christ takes. Are his, and that's what he is. That all men would come to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. We praise by thanking, and we have to remember that giving of thanks is practicing his presence. Thanksgiving not as a combined one word, you know, people get all confused and they think it's the holiday time for extra days off and stuffing your face with extra food. That's not it. Thanksgiving, two separate words, or giving of thanks as Christ used to Every time when he was teaching, breaking bread or giving anything, giving thanks to God our Father. And when we offer up the prayers of thanksgiving, we're laying a, a prayer foundation for 
praying without ceasing, as Paul reminds us also. And that doesn't mean every single second of every single day. God knows we can't we can't do that or we don't do that. God knows that. But be prayerful during the course of the day. And you offer a prayer for somebody you see, somebody that might be having a little bit of difficulty, and you pray for them as you move through the motions of your day, through the course of the day. I'm, you know, I, I'm puttering and I do things and, and then I remember something and I pray about it. And I stay prayerful for a while. And here's the other thing too that we that I want to impress upon you is that when you pray in the spirit, the enemy cannot listen in, which he does. He has demons that listen to you and he has others that hear you and they report to him, <clears throat> pardon me, and he works diligently at disrupting those prayers and that. So if you learn to pray in the spirit, and here's the important part. The enemy is confounded because he didn't understand it. Why? Because when you pray in the spirit, <clears throat> you're speaking in heavenly language. Pardon me. He's trying to disrupt me right now. <laughs> but that's not going to work because I just rebuked that and I just keep on going. But when you learn to pray in the spirit, he cannot understand and the enemy is confounded. Remember, this is important and this is also true. Satan and his demons, they came from heaven. They used to live there. And Jesus reminds us that we find in Luke that he reminds us that I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven and his minions that were given the boot with him that were trying to follow suit with what he was saying. They were all kicked out. They were there in heaven at one time and they know what the word is. They heard it. They know what it is. They know the scriptures. But one thing that they don't have is they don't have the heavenly language. They cannot understand the language of heaven, which is when you pray in the spirit, you are in a direct connection that cannot be interrupted. It cannot be intercepted. It cannot be uh, translated because they don't know it. It's heavenly language that they don't speak. He does not have that capability. There are some that he does, but remember this also too, false evidence appearing real, that is developed by him and he's very good at it. So he makes it appear that he is something else or he makes himself appear much larger and grandiose than he actually is. And remember, Jesus gives us this also. I give unto you authority to step on the heads of serpents and scorpions and to face down the power of the enemy himself and come to no harm. Christ Jesus gives us that authority. Be thankful for that. And he cannot understand that. While you're praying, you concentrate and you ask the spirit to guide you and the spirit will give you utterance. The best thing to do is if you're being prayerful or you're going to the Lord in prayer, <clears throat> make sure you offer some time up. If you don't know how to pray in the spirit, the spirit will give it to you. Stay there and just wait. 
I would not share the prayers and I am, I'm practicing to do this because it's most important because the prayers I offer up, especially in this day and time are, um, they're, they're a necessary prayer. And it's important that the enemy is not able to disrupt. And it's a kind of a hard practice, actually, because when you go to prayer, you want to just, you want to offer up and you want to be doing it. But sometimes it's better that you sit and you meditate on God and you wait and talk to the Spirit. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God that he sends to bring comfort and to help and to guide and teach while he's in heaven. And he's with us all the time in this and all we have to do is ask. So you don't just start blurting out and praying all these uh, things. Um, you don't want to do that. Because then you have, will have a tendency So there's a, um, I forgot the scripture. Pardon me, I was trying to think of it and I forgot it. Forgive me for that. Um, but the, there is scripture that talks us about making the uh, long and vain oblations. An oblation is a, an offering that we give to God and he warns against that Christ's teaching. Um, again, he's talking about our favorite characters, the Pharisees, because they do that tendency that they're, they're long and they're vain and they make a great production of this. So rather than doing that, when you're, you're offering those up to God in prayer, you wait humbly waiting patiently and and pray maybe a couple little short things out to the Holy Spirit to give you that so that you can start and just relax. Let the Spirit come, the Spirit will come and then you can just start and you go. And then you go, you just let it go. And don't sit there, there's some, I've I've talked to some young Christians and shared with them on how to do this and they they try to translate or because they have familiarity with another language, they try to speak in that language as if God, <laughs> and it's kind of funny that they're going to send that to him. And uh, they do it and they think that they're speaking in tongues. Well, that's not what that's about. Because let me share this with you. When you speak in a familiar language that you may know that's your French, Spanish, German or whatever, guess what? The prince of the earth, prince of darkness, Satan, he can translate that stuff because it's an earthly language. When I'm talking about you praying in the spirit, that's a heavenly language and he cannot interrupt that. He cannot intercept that and he can't translate it and he doesn't understand it because it's not an earthly language. 
Give thanks for that, that we have that ability if you just pray for it and you let it happen. But there's so many people because of this denominational thing that goes on and they have them convinced that God doesn't do that anymore because we're in the modern day and age. But again, I share with this with you, there is nowhere in the Bible that says that God is not going to do that anymore in the year 2023 and especially less gifts that he will offer in the year 2024. And every modern day that comes and is added to the calendar that spiritual gifts are diminished. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that. Nowhere. So they're teaching falsely and they're lying and they're speaking with no knowledge and they don't understand. But they they convince others that that's true. So just concentrate, pray in the Spirit, and he will give you utterance through the Holy Spirit. It will happen. It will come. And then you've got that secret language, and you're not going to understand what, it's, what it is. And trust me, brothers and sisters, it's, and when I, I first learned that I could do this, I got a little, you know, you how you feel that flush in your face or kind of you, you, you kind of when you first say it and, and you might say it out loud and then you kind of look sideways because somebody may have heard you say that or speak that way. Then you get that little feeling, that flush in your body, uh, that warmth come up because you're allowing yourself to be embarrassed. And if you're in the house of God and you're praying and giving thanks to God and you're worshiping God, why are you embarrassed? Why was I allowing myself to be embarrassed? Because I didn't really know what I was doing. But brothers and sisters, that's why we stay in this scripture. We study to show ourselves approved, not only to ourselves, but unto our Father in heaven, Abba Yahweh. So further giving thanks. This is uh, this is also an important scripture, and this is done and shared every day. This is an everyday meditation. In Psalm one thirty six, this is the important what I talk about giving thanks. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for He is good; for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his hosts in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. 
to him which smote great kings for his mercy endureth forever and slew famous kings for his mercy endureth forever. Sehon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for an heritage, for his mercy endureth forever. Even in heritage unto Israel, his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. Who remembered us in our lowest state, for his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. O oh, give thanks unto God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. This is the word of God. Amen, aman. Remember I've shared with you that word aman, praiseworthy. What is praise? Giving of thanks to God. Is he not praiseworthy? He is the maker of all things. And just like I ran down that list right there, give thanks to God. His strong hand, his mercy endures forever. All this, this whole list of things right there, those are all examples that he did and he does for us continually today and he did for the nation of Israel when he brought them out of Israel. And it does endure forever. And I just, a name popped up right there and I'm going to bring that out. This Og character that he talks about when he... Uh, he slew famous kings for his mercy endureth forever. Sihon, the king of the Amorites. And then down here, here's another famous one. And Og, the king of Bashan. Who's Og? Well, let's see. You know this guy, Goliath? You had this little young boy who was not quite 18 years old. And he went out with a slingshot. His slingshot that he carried with him when he was acting as shepherd. And he could spin that, and he could launch a rock. Well, he went out to this guy named Goliath, who was a giant. And remember the spies that went into Canaan, and they came back with a negative report because they didn't give thanks to God, and they were not worshiping God. They came out, and they said, oh, we're, we're, we're. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers and kind of like the dry bones in the valley. Remember, I've read that scripture to you before and uh, the vision that Ezekiel was taken to the valley of the dry bones, which is actually a visual uh, given to him of the nation of Israel. And what did it say? And we gave up all hope for our part, just like the spies did when they came out. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. We cannot do this thing that God told us we could do. Shazam. They can't do it because they denied it. They can't do it because they don't believe that God was great enough or powerful enough and that these big old critters, they were more powerful than God. They diminished God and they diminished themselves. David went out to Goliath, and I'm getting to the relationship between Goliath and Og here in just a moment. 
So David went out, but he believed that God is all powerful and he believes that God is with him. And he went out with a slingshot. Goliath had on his breastplate, had a shield, had a sword, had his helmet. Well, he was getting so agitated with David that he threw off his helmet, he threw down his shield, and he came at David with a sword. And when he came running at David, David came running at him and with his slingshot, and he popped Goliath right between the eyes, up there between his brow, with a stone. The hand of God glided that thing. And related to King Og, when he fell on his face and David took his head, with his own sword, by the way, um, Og, he was the king of these individuals. And Og had a bed that was made of cast iron because Og was a big guy. The bed that he slept on was 15 feet long. and 12 feet wide and made of cast iron so it would support his big old self. So that's the lineage that Goliath comes from when David took him out. And David is reciting this in Psalm 136. And remember, we, we backtrack because in David's poems and his songs, he recites things a couple times. But this is back when David was a boy, before he was king. He had not reached his 18th birthday when he took out Goliath. The import that I'm sharing with you, brothers and sisters, is that we offer up giving of thanks to God, which is praising God. Giving of thanks is practicing his presence and it is praising him. It is necessary that we do this. And let me ask you this. Very pointed, deliberate and direct question. Is he not worthy of that? The maker of all things made the creator of heaven and earth who came as flesh manifest in Christ Jesus and died on the cross for you and me, the sacrificial lamb who was beaten and bled for our sake. That's not worthy of praise and giving of thanks. in everything that he does for us. We, for some reason, have a hard time finding time to give that to him. Let me share this with you, and I had before. When I was working before, as a commercial operator, I used to drive mass transit system. Bus driver. And... I would pray through the course of the day. I would whistle and offer up hymns. And when things were becoming more difficult, I learned that the more I praised him, 
the easier day and and then things just it wouldn't matter i I separated myself from them and and practice. and there were times where it became difficult to do it wasn't perfect and and I am definitely not a perfect individual, but I learned how to do these things. You must practice and learn how to do this. Everything is just not a snap of God's finger. And then everything is just automatic and you drift around on these little clouds when you're on your way out of the house to go to the car to go to work. You're not floating to your car on a little cloud so that you look like, uh, um, oh, what the, what was that? Oh, Marty McFly and his hoverboard where you move around on this little cloud and it's like uh, in the film. And you're just cruising the street on this little cloud and people see you come drifting by and they're thinking that you're walking really fast, but you know, you're, you're floating because your imagination has gone wild. The reality is that we don't work that way and God doesn't work that way. And we are told and reminded that there will be times and tribulations that we're going to go through. And trust me in this, that it's important that we remember this as a, those things sometimes are allowed because God is trying to fortify our faith. He's trying to make us stronger. And remember that the finest steel, the finest pottery, the finest gold, the finest silver, it has to be fired. And the steel is tempered in fire and heat in the furnace. The finest gold is fired in the forge many times. The finest silver has to be repeatedly melted. They have to be repeatedly melted because of the impurities. So that only the good is left. And you want the finest and the best? It's fired many times. Do you not think that God wants the best for you? And want you to be the best? What does that entail? That means that you are going to be fired many times. Whew. But here's the thing. Even if God is with us from beginning to end, top to bottom, deepest valley, it doesn't matter. God is there because God promises the empirical evidence that has been mounted before me on numerous times, brothers and sisters, it cannot be denied. In me, I will not. It cannot be denied. It cannot be refuted. It's just there. There's no argument against it. It's truth. It's purity. The infallible truths and promises, the blessed assurance. Remember that too. Insurance and assurance are not the same thing. Insurance requires you to pay and pay and pay and pay. And there are clauses in the insurance contracts that allow the insurance companies not to have to pay anything out as they're supposed to do, as they tell you they will, but when something doesn't happen just exactly the way they want it to, oh, uh, guess what? They refuse to cover. 
and then you've paid all that stuff to them and they just keep it in the bank. I know it sounds pretty despicable, but how do you think that they make their money and they stay as powerful as some of these companies are? They don't make anything that doesn't cover their basis. Always a clause. However, when you have a trusted assurance and a promise that is made and you have the infallible truths and that blessed assurance and what was one of the assurances that Christ gave us? I have to go. I have to get your place ready. But I won't have the Father send another in my stead, the Comforter. And why? Because knowing that we have difficulty without that assistance. You have difficulty even through because we get it and then we find reasons to not believe for whatever reason we might come up with. We allow fearfulness to drive us. We become full of false evidence appearing real and so our reactions are different than what they normally would be. We act toward people differently than we normally would. A lot of reasons. This is why so many organizations love to utilize fear when they get people fearful. And I've noticed that this company that I've shared with you before is uh, name translates to Lucifer. They're really, really, really pushing their medications. And I noticed that primarily the target is an older people or children. A lot of people don't pay attention to things. I look like I don't, but I do. This is exactly what the scripture talks about talks about widows and orphans, children and older people. They are not cared for and they are targets. Be mindful of this. Pray guidance in all things. Remember John 4, 1 John 4, 1. I've shared with you. We are to try the spirit in all things. We have to remember to do that especially in this later times. So brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers on my going out and my coming in every day. Every day I pray before I roll out and start my day. And when I lay down, I close my day with prayer. During the course of the day, I'm praying. This is of importance. Brothers and sisters, be blessed.